There was no possibility of meeting John Reed that day. I had been wandering in the leafless shrubbery of the grounds an hour that morning, trying to lose Bessie, my younger cousin's nursemaid, but to no avail. John and I would have to see each other later. A cold winter wind began to blow, bringing with it clouds so somber and rain so penetrating that further outdoor exercise was now out of the question. Bessie called at me to turn back, and I abandoned my search for John and joined her and my younger cousins in walking back to the house. John and I had agreed to meet beside the willow trees this afternoon, but something had clearly waylaid him. I was glad of it since it was a chilly afternoon, and I did not relish the thought of lying under the wet willow tree with him for a further hour, always conscious that at any moment we might be discovered, our cheeks burning with the knowledge that we were doing something wrong, yet unable to stop ourselves. Instead, I returned to the house, my heart saddened by the chidings from the nurse Bessie, and humbled by the consciousness of my physical inferiority to the beautiful Eliza and Georgiana Reed, my younger cousins. The said Eliza and Georgiana clustered around their mamma in the drawing-room. As soon as we returned, she lay luxuriously on a sofa by the fireside with her darlings about her, for the time being neither of them quarrelling nor crying, and looked perfectly happy. Me, she had dispensed from joining the group, saying, She regretted to be under the necessity of keeping me at a distance, but until she heard from Bessie that I was endeavouring in good earnest to acquire a more sociable and childlike disposition, she really must exude me from privileges intended only for good, pretty little children. What does Bessie say I have done? I asked, wondering if it was my trying to wander off on our walk that had angered the nursemaid. Jane, I don't like cavaliers or questioners, returned Mrs. Reed. Be seated somewhere, and until you can speak pleasantly, remain silent. I pursed my lips and left the room, knowing where I would go, where I stole to wherever I had a rare, free moment to myself. A breakfast room adjoined the drawing room, and I slipped in there. It contained a bookcase, and checking that I was not watched, I snatched a favoured volume from the shelf. I mounted onto the window seat, my heart thudding in my chest and my fingers shaking in anticipation. Gathering up my feet, I sat cross-legged and drew the red curtain around me, its silken material slippery in my hot, wet grasp. Folds of scarlet drapery shut in my view to my right, cascading undulations of fiery red that mirrored the tingling rush of heat I could feel pumping through my body. To my left, the clear glass offered a pale blank of mist and cloud, a scene of wet lawn and storm-beat shrub, with ceaseless rain sweeping away wildly before a long and lamentable blast. I shivered. The droplets of rain trickled down the pane, and I turned and pressed my damp back against its shocking coolness, gasping. With eager, trembling fingers, I leafed through my book the familiar pages sliding softly against my thumb like a caress until I reached my desired place. There I gasped again. A pair of deep, dark eyes burnt into mine. I pressed my back harder against the chilling glass pane and felt a rush of heat sweep through me. 
I had seen the portrait many times since discovering it a few months ago in a worn copy of collected paintings. I had slowly been making my way through the contents of the bookcase in the drawing room, devouring each book as I went, when I came across it. The corner of this particular unnamed portrait had been turned down, and it had caught my attention immediately. Those eyes, they smouldered into mine, penetrating deep into my soul and laying bare my naked core. Upon first seeing them, I had felt a jolt of pleasure beneath my petticoat, a tingling throb that I wished I felt when I looked upon John Reed, but he did not compare.' 